0: Welcome to the very first Borough Breakdown uh, with me, Johnny Bullock. This, of course, is part of the Everything MFC preview post, um, which I do write weekly. Um, you will see the posts, which I can be posting three times a week, depending on my work schedule. I do work full-time, so sometimes it can be quite difficult to get them all out, but... You know, it it's life. But really warm welcome to you listening Um, I hope you haven't been affected by the snow too much I know the beast from the east is very much upon us now I've been working at home the last day or so because I just couldn't get to work um, because of it but I hope it doesn't really uh, affect the game on, on Friday night and the one thought that goes through my head already is just the weather At the riverside, the coldness, how cold I'm going to be Friday night in the South Stand when we're playing. I'm stood there shivering my tits off because I will be that cold. And I just hope we give us something to shout about because you know what, if you get beat about 5 0 at home, my God. That will be I think I'd just leave at half time, I think. <laughs> and just go home and get in the warmth. But anyway, that's not gonna happen. So really if you've watched if you've sorry, not watched it if you've read the breakdowns and the previews that I've been writing, I, I generally go into my thoughts and I generally predict who's going to play, how the opposition are going to line up and, and go into more of the tactics and predict the eleven. And it's went down quite well at the start of the season and I thought I should bring that type of format of something very similar to this podcast and I feel it will probably add value in me actually breaking it down more rather than you seeing my words and reading it because sometimes the blogs can be, can be so long and it can be quite easy to lose track and not gain much insight from it. But of course it, this this breakdown is is for everyone it could be for just your standard fan or someone who is very into their tactics and how play how plays can break up and, and and stuff like that so it, thank you again for for joining and and let's get right down to it so i want to start off really with the Sunland and game and, and break that down for you um i, I know generally I'll say something, my thoughts before the preview and I'll I'll say general frustrations or how we can't beat certain teams and how annoyed fans can get because of signings and my actual signing ones about the, the January window got quite a lot of, of feedback so thank you very much uh, for that. So really I I'll, I'll want to start off with the Sunland goals and why they happened. And what can Middlesbrough do differently to stop those happening? Of course, I'm not as qualified as Tony Pulis. I'm just, just a standard coach, but it's very much basic errors that can be put out. And it very much starts with zonal marketing. It's something that we've slightly adopted under Tony Pulis. Um, Tony Pulis is generally more of a, a man marking type manager. However we have been opting for more of a part-zonal, part-man approach to corners. And you can see on the third goal that it doesn't always work. With zonal marketing, they're very much pro is that if you have your spot, you're capable of of generally marking it and it's your area. That's a bit of much a pro, so then it doesn't essentially have overcrowding of your teammates on the goalkeeper or it helps spread out the attackers essentially because they get manipulated to think that you're generally marking them however with man marking you can be that was my angle if you heard a click there but if within man marking you are very you can get caught very quickly because of just the movement. You'll see it with Millsbury's Corners this year where Gibson will run to the front post, Ayala run around the back, and then you'll see more like a, a shot in, and, and I can't remember, a shot in August If I guess I'll being now, but a, a forward will stay in the middle. The reason why Zonal Macken would work in that situation as you can generally mark Ayala through your zone rather than losing him in the rush. Gibson's only really there to pull you out to create the space for Ayala to run into. If you're man marking, those spaces can happen and they can happen quite quickly but with zonal marking, it's generally decreased and you have your own space and it's easier to mark a run coming in. There's no real actual correct way to defend a corner it doesn't matter what standard you do, You play football in both ideas work, it's just depending on how well you are how, how good you are at defending set pieces if I was Tony Pulis or if I would recommend something I would generally go for ah, bad. you can't really do both at the moment, I know Pulis is doing that slightly um, and it does li- Eliminate a little bit more of, a, of the set play of set, of set play tactics. It, it generally does decrease that. But I, th- I would personally... I would stick... I would probably go with more of a zone of marking structure. We have the height there to defend the six-yard box. You know, you could pretty much line up your foe in that area. You could have two men on the post. And you could have three men, essentially, within those gaps. And... Is three, you could have three men within... within, Well, in front of Gibson, the back four, essentially, who whoever marking that. So it would generally be a two on the post, four in front, then three just ahead. So that gives you, what, three... It gives you ten players there, and then you can leave a Dahmer up front just for the counter-attack, and I feel that would probably be more suited for our approach, but I will if I can release some sort of picture or infographic with that, it would make a lot more sense than me doing that. But the way that would work, it was it would pretty much eliminate the run on the back post, to which Mac did, and he paid a price for it. And even with their two other goals as well, it's just poor defending on our front, and you don't expect that from a Tony Puyles team. When you've seen Pulis in the past go, obviously be at Stoke and be at West Brom and Palace, you know, generally their defending has got a lot better because of the structures he's put in place and the more of the shape that he implements and they his teams generally don't concede set pieces, and it's quite interesting to see how it's been contrasted in how it's happened in the Championship when it became one of our weaknesses when really it was one of our strengths under Aitor Karanka. However, there there was a lot of positives out of the Sunderland game, you know. And okay, I'll break it down a bit more. But the positives that we that we had was was Bamford. I think I've been I've been slating Bamford a little bit this season, you know, writing him off, and I would consider him to be more of a championship player or oh, that Cameron Jerome effect, where you're too good for the championship and not not good enough for the Premier League. But he's in that. He's in that bracket at the moment, but he's very much a confidence player, and you can see that the one goal he scored against was it Rennes the last game. Uh, anyway, so his his goal, uh, his his thing was was quite delightful, and of course, it's given the confidence going forward. um against Sunderland, his his first goal really to to bring us level was was delightful and. It's something that you want as well because with Gested being ruled out, it's gave him the opportunity to play a more up top and more of a central role going forward. And that's his position, you know, I'm not a fan of him playing on the wing at all. He's just not a winger, he doesn't have the speed to be a winger, he may have the technical ability, you know, you do see some of the, the tricks that he has in play, but for me Patrick is more of a player who you need to play the ball to feet to. And let him create the brilliance around it. You can't let him make. You can't let him run onto a ball. I think he just doesn't have the pace to do it. Okay, you know he, he did run through um, and and think the goalkeeper. But in general play, if you, in, with it over twenty yards, he's not gonna. He's probably gonna be the same speed as a, as a defender. So he's very much a ball to feet player. His confidence is coming through, and that was a, a huge positive, not just for me, but. I think for the fans as well, uh, for and and the team and the management staff to see that we have got a player with Bamford, and his once he gets his confidence back, he can really show glimpses. He can really, you know, not glimpses, but he can actually bring back the form that he originally had in his first stint at the club. And that's what we want. And of course, if we were to be going up this year, whether that happens or not. He he will play a big part in that. And it's a lot's been said for a Sombalonga as well. You know, he he's low on confidence at the minute, but you can't write him off. You know, he's a very, very good striker. His movement and ability to score in the box is excellent. You know, he doesn't he doesn't miss many chances when he's in front of goal. Okay, will we'll forget the penalty that he took and I'm personally blaming my girlfriend for that because she did say that he's going to absolutely sky it. And, well, he, he hit Ed And nearly hit the... If I didn't hit, hit Rosehead, he would probably sky it higher than the Zetland car park. But, you know, it, it, if he gets a goal, you can see his confidence coming back and the manager will start to put more faith in him. And I think that's what Gary Monk did very well with for Sombalonga is he paid a lot of faith in him and allowed him to get in those positions and you know if he missed one you knew he was gonna score the next one. So with Pulis, he's he just needs that first goal and then he'll kick on and and hopefully, you know, make a real big impact like Traore has under Tony Pulis. And speaking of Traore, I finally wanted to go in more of the the red cards. And, thank God it got rescinded, I don't know how it got rescinded, I'm not bothered about being rescinded, but for some reason I feel like we must have some dirt on the FA or something because it's, what, two around? a row now? That we've actually got something on, something, well, right, in the, we've actually got something positive rather than not getting an extra ban or getting deducted three points like we did when we got relegated that year, but... I so say he relegated that year. We've been relegated a few times since I've been following the club, but you know it's good to have it's good to have Traore back, you know, and not being banned because he's a very much a player who is high in confidence and someone who's just been given you know faith by the manager. And that that can pay dividends on a football pitch, it, even from grassroots level all the way up to the all the way to the top, you know. If a manager gives you the confidence on the pitch, you will generally play your heart out for the full 90 minutes, and that's what he's been doing. You can see, of course, there is elements to his game which have been improved in terms of like defensive side of it. I remember that penalty he gave away earlier in the season where I just wanted to throw my bottle at him. It was just so frustrating, that penalty. Took hard. But anyway, he has improved a lot. Over this last few weeks. That Pulis has been in charge. And very much credit to Tony. And his backroom staff for that. But he's done exceptionally well. To, to be in this position. But going on backing up the confidence thing. You wouldn't have thought that he would be. The most vital player in our season. Or the only person who's created something out of nothing. This season. You would have thought with the squad that we had. Would be barrelling goals for fun. He might be out the door. Well, early in the season, you thought he would have been up the door, especially with Barnsley away, where he missed the boss. You thought that was his time was up. But to come back, to score goals now and add that to his game can only just bring additional value to him. And, of course, we're not going to keep him forever. I think we need to be really honest with ourselves. If he's scoring goals like he is now, if he's setting things up, if he's playing tremendously well and having those ridiculous stats of taking on players, you can't see him being... At the club for much longer, you know we're not a club that who are a top six Premier League team. You know we're very, very much, very, very much lower. That that, that championship to the Premier League team. We're not the best team in the Premier League by a long chalk. We're not the we wouldn't be the worst, but as I've been following the club, you know I've seen us go from the heights of Steve McLaren of getting into seventh place with with Swarter saving that penalty at Manchester City, you know, I've seen that, I've seen us lift a trophy, I've been all the Eindhoven, i went to Einhoven and been to all the European games with that when I was a kid. And I've also seen the demise, you know, i have seen the oh god, the the Southgate era, which was you know, which we did comical errors. I've also seen the Strachan era, which was just don't I don't get like to start on. Mowbray the turn of optimism, Karanga bring us back up again and obviously what I'm really trying to say is I've seen the highs and lows but a player at Traore's ability will never should never really see many more lows at all he will probably go on to be a very successful football and have a great career but it all depends on his confidence, and also depends on the manager that he has with him um, and that's just the real impact of a manager, you know, that's what they pay to do To give you confidence, to, to set up teams And to help you win a football match But with Traore You know, it's all about Keeping his head in the game And actually Contributing to the team And he will still make mistakes He's only, what, 21? You know, he's going to still make mistakes But this disability will just get better And better and better If he's coached right But with the, the general Team performance against Sunderland, it was quite poor. You know, we don't, we know that scoring, if you score three goals away from home, you've generally won the game, haven't you? And that goes for any team. You know, if you score three goals in a football match, you should be picking up the three points. But having three errors of what we've done, you know, it's very, 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 very frustrating. Um, Macmillan's goal was just horrendous to concede. You know, like when I watch it again, I just think that how have you got so much space? And I, of course, I've I've broke that down a little bit now. Where if you're man marking, or you get you do get caught with man marking and part man marking zone, only you do get caught with with gaps within your your midfield. Of course. Um, but you know the other goals that they had, and it's you know there they was they're so they're so easily manageable, and that's what frustrates me the most that every goal that they scored could have been prevented, you know the second goal where they've played it in from the left, and they've just you know they've found space and and it's, again, something that every goal that they've scored against us was was manageable, but, you know, we've got to forget that now and, and really kick on again and, I think, hopefully just forget about it, but how will Pulis, you know, how will Pulis approach it to stop those errors ever taking place again? So... With the Joel Osorio goal, you know, when the ball comes in at the top, he's the smallest player on the pitch, and you've got Gibson, Ayala, and Shotton next to him. How he wins the ball in the first place is just... I, I just don't get how, he, how he, he, he got the ball, if I'm really honest, or, and how he found, found the space or the, the second ball that came in. You know, it's very much more of an organisation issue and I think I think Piers will get that right you know, come into the, the season but if you're looking for an organised player and I know I kind of slated him a little bit I would look at Martin Craney as the organised defender you know, if if you've watched him when he's came on for those small cameos you can just sense his his awareness on the pitch and his organisation his just very very experienced approach that generally... Will help you out, you know. Um, of course, me always need that level head and experience within the defense, and you know, it feels like we had that the year we went up, but it just doesn't seem to happen this year. Um, but I feel Martin Craney will come into the team at some point and will add tremendous value in that. Again, I've just mentioned the Johnny Williams goal and obviously the Callum McManaman header towards the end. Um, but really touching on, I just want to touch on one thing before. I move on towards more of the Leeds breakdown and that's the it was a red card from uh, I think it's Clark Salter, the the defender for Sunland. How bad was that challenge, you know. I've never seen anything like anything worse than that in my entire life. My word, that's just like it was like Sunday League stuff, man, like and I've played Sun Saturday and Sunday League football and Play that like an okay level, but oh man, like I just—he's got it all wrong. The timing of it, I think it's frustration, and I feel like it, it does kind of play. I think it did play a part in Traore sending off a little bit. You know, like if you've just been snapped like that, you're going to have a bit of anger in you, and you see Brian Oviedo having a bit of a, a bit of a chew him, and if Danica posts in the alley, if he—if he didn't, he didn't. I don't really care now, but because he, he's got it rescinded, but that must affect you in a, in a game, and I think if we could really turn back time now, I think if you were peerless in that game, you would pull a diamond to the side and just say, look, you've got to forget it, or you can probably not forget it, but you've got to calm down at some point, because that uh, essentially what happened was just a bit of injustice, but he did get sent off for overreacting, so anyway, that that is very much... My thoughts and I did go on a bit of a tangent there about that about that and I didn't really give it much structure. Just I've gave you a lot of information, but really the the main key point and the main thing that you should take away from from the game at Sunland is that Middlesbrough are, are still very much a work in progress and if we don't go up this year then you will see, well, even if we do go up this year, you will see a huge, huge, huge shift in players going in and going out. I think that's what you'll see regardless. Um, And I think you should take it away of that we're still in progress. We're not hitting heights, but once we get back-to-back wins, you'll see more confidence coming into the team and, you know, that push Will of course come through, but you know what? I actually want to really do move on to the Leeds game now. Um, Leeds have been really, really inconsistent this season. You know, from results, um, obviously change of manager now, a change of badge, of course. If you if you didn't forget that um, that awful, awful badge. Oh my god, some pro evil shit but that was just, sorry it's just awful really but you know Leeds have of again been not really falling apart again which they they do sing and you know they do have a great crowd as well with them that's all you can always say about Leeds United they do have a a good crowd with them but you know they do every season generally have just changes and. I don't know how that will affect a club like that. You know, I don't know if it just affects a club. but It just seems so rotten. Um, and it's a shame, really. You know, Leeds are a huge club. It's it's regardless of, it doesn't matter who you support. You know, Leeds United are a huge, huge football club with a fantastic history. To them, I remember when I was a very, at a very young age that they were playing, champ- they were, when they were playing Champions League football, and. Even Mark Viduka was playing for him at some point, but it's been quite sad seeing them, you know, being where they are. Um, of course, and you know, obviously the chant we all hate Leeds comes comes about every day, so it doesn't. You know, it's yeah, you know, I, I, everyone everyone apparently hates Leeds, but you know, they're still a historic club and. I think their changes has affected them and they're very much a transitional compa- uh, a company a transitional football club but really starting off with the manager um, I thought to- T- Tony Christensen was, was doing a good job at these actually originally um, they started off like a house on fire if I can recall I think they were undefeated and was it 8 8 or 9 games um, they were undefeated and, or might have been 11 I think but they were top or flying and then They've just been on a, a really bad turn of results, and I thought Tony Christensen surely should have probably been given time or some say in, in the transfer embargo. But I'll come to Victoria in a minute actually. But I do feel sorry for Tony. Um, he 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 seemed to have put Leeds in the right direction, and it's it was a shame that he got removed from his duties. But they've got a good manager, and with with Paul Heckingbottom, you know, I remember going to Barnsley away this year. Um... And he pretty much had Gary Monk's number. You know, in terms of tactics and running the running the midfield, you know, I remember just going, going in. I said to, to my partner, and we said, Look, we we both chat about the match beforehand, and we say, Oh, what's going to happen? How are we going to predict it? And we both said, The first goal is vital. We never expected them to score straight away. Um, and Paul Bottom really just out. Oh, Oh, fox carrying we were very, very lucky that we had class on the pitch that day with goals from Braithwaite and that delectable ball from Downing that really saved our skin. But Hagenbottom's a good manager, you know. He's he seems to set up teams who are, are very well, not very organized. But he's you know he he didn't really have much to work with at Barnsley. You know, you have a limited. He had a very, very limited budget. Um a young squad that he, he moulded together and, you know, Barnsley should really be in League 1 with the budget that they had and he he's done well, he did well to kind of stay in the ship when, once he got promoted and get them away but there is one thing that he has brought with him to Leeds and I think we should really look out for it is it's creating chances to, through through balls, you know the the through, using the through ball um, is something that he used a lot at Barnsley but he seemed to step up a notch a little bit more with with, with Leeds and you can see that with um, with Hernandez or Sayers or Alowski um, and even with Forsher now in the midfield, um, it depends, even if it's with Jono Kane or, or, Kevin, or, or, with, or with Phillips uh, in midfield, you'll see what they're very good at doing Leeds is that they can, and what Heckenbottom's really brought into the squad as well is that they'll try and open you up with a quick interchange of passing they'll lay it off wide then they'll try and drag you out of position creating the space within the midfield so it literally just takes the ball out wide it makes it also be from say um, who's in, in anyway the, the left back they they they, you know, they now have Say if he had the ball, he would switch it over to the right winger. The right winger would keep the ball. He would run he would literally keep the ball. He would switch it back over the left and then create the space in the middle. So either Sayers will just get the ball or Hernandez will get the ball and they'll slot it through to La Soga. You'll see that quite a lot um in the in the game on, on Friday night. But of of course I was I was on about Heckenbottom Heck and Bottom there, but Heckenbottom will will actually implement that even more at Leeds. Um and it can be a big threat. But the only thing is with the through ball you do sometimes need a quicker striker. And um, I don't think the is is that quick striker, but he is still scoring goals within that system, so credit to him of, of course. Um and what I was mentioning as well was the form, um as well and that was that was very much the start of the season when they were unbeaten for a while and then they went on a huge losing streak and they're starting to come back out of it again and you know, starting to turn results around. I don't think they'll go up this year or Leeds. I think they've 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 done too much now. Uh, too much self self impact, really. Um, they've just threw it away. They could have very much been up there this year if they if they held it together. Very much like Cardiff did. Uh, what Cardiff were doing very much, you know. They've they, the results of of, of, of just did, but that couldn't come down to your signings and I really wanted to go into Victor Rota on, this, on this podcast today, because he is just an absolute, you know, well, I can't even have words to describe him, he's just, when he came to Middlesbrough, you know, and when he came to the club, I thought that he would give us a good pedigree going forward and have a good recruitment, but process in place and you know he came from Sevilla of course and I think it was Sevilla um he came from Sevilla and he how we had so much anticipation Oh, who's he going to bring in how are we going to approach it And what we who we going to buy you know he did bring in Ramirez of course so he did get us up and he also helped us go down again so you know, he might. He's obviously helped with bringing in the Grado too. Um, and the Grado, oh, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic, fantastic signing, and um, we just didn't utilize him much. But Victor, he is very much just an illness within a club. You know, I I don't think he understands as much the English style of play as as I think he he thought he knew. But I believe that he was. Very much a catalyst in our demise last year, but he's also a demise in their form this season. You've seen. I think it's quite parallel. I think if we can hopefully get this, if we can hopefully get a graph up of of this. But you'll see Millerspruce form within the November to January period, very much like Leeds last like this season, where the players seem to just get a bit tired, a little bit found out. And then what happened is you slowly get one defeat, two defeats, three defeats. He if he's implementing and going into the change room and, you know, affecting the manager's strategy, then what really stri- well what sort of impact does a manager really have? You know? Like is he does he have any authority at all? And mean, Victor is in charge. But I don't think I think he's just an illness and I hope he just gets re- gone, you know. As much as I don't, I'm not really obviously a huge Leeds fan, but or at all Leeds fan. I, I'm not a fan of them at all. But I, rest, I do respect them. But he just needs to leave. If they were, if they want to go up, or you know, if, well actually, yeah. If you do want to go up, you need to sack him. Simple as that. Because he's messed up our recruitment process. Our recruitment process in general. Has been an absolute crap the last few seasons. Jesus Christ, man! I know. I I, I was very complimentary of Bamford, and, and you know at the start of this podcast. But bringing him in last year was just to me was just like admitting defeat and just going down. You know, we was we were really linked with some good good players that window. Um, I remember, and we just brought in Gustad, Bamford, and Grady Aura You know, of course, Gustad and Bamford have done well this, are doing what they're set to do in the Championship this year, but Grady Ora was just a pointless signing. You know, we, there was absolutely no point bringing them in. You know, we were crying out for an o winger we were crying out for an, we out for an we attacking midfielder to help Nigrado, and we just didn't do it. So we were, it was absolutely pointless. But if I was purely Snow, you need to think. I need to change this recruitment process. Just have to change it, you know, you just have to have to change it because it's at the moment it's just not good enough. Um But what what can you do? You know, I think this whole recruitment process that we have now is is gonna take a couple of seasons to just rip up and start again, how are we gonna find players? You know, it should be quite simple this whole recruitment process process really, you know, headhunting. Find the player that you want and see if he fits your system, <laughs> but then obviously there's a lot more to it with contracts and stuff like that. But I'm not really gonna go into it. But what I am going to go into, um, before, before I break down the game and my predictions going forward is just the return of Adam Forshaw. I know he was recruited by Leeds, um, and the window just gone, and I thought Adam Forshaw was a very much underrated player for Middlesbrough. You know, he was very much a crab, um, a crab-type football, you know, go side-to-side, side, keep the ball. And I know fans do hate that type of player, but keeping the ball sometimes, and especially when you're under the cosh, you know, or you've just conceded the goal, keeping the ball is really does help build your confidence back up again. And he was excellent at that and he was excellent at breaking up the play as well and starting again and keeping the possession of course and I I thought he was a, a very good signing. Um when he first came out I'd never I'd never heard of him before, um, when Karanka signed him, but you know, he he did scored a fantastic he scored that memorable goal memorable memorable goal against Reading. Um and that did pretty much help us go up this year, that, that year. Um he was excellent in the Premier League when we we started off when he came into the team. You know, we, there was even rumors about him getting an even, even an English England call up at one point. So there's, you know, he, he was a good signing for us. Um, I think he'll do well at Leeds. You know, especially with the, the type of football they want to play, that more of that possession style, and of course switching the play and that quick interchange from midfield to the forward forward he He'll be very good at that. You know, he'll be very very good at that. Um obviously I mentioned fans don't like crabs crab type footballers but they do have a place in football. They very much do. Probably not in the tiny Pulis you know, long ball, play out wide, hit triori, knock in the box. But with a lot of teams, you know, and especially in the Premier League, you know, it's very much on the floor. You do need that type of player. You need that you do need that type of crab or that can't type character. Obviously I'm not I'm not comparing Forshaw to Katnay. By the way, Cantney is absolutely brilliant and Forshaw is nowhere near him, but you do need someone who breaks up the play in any walks of the team. You do need that. Um, Clayton's very good at that. Of course, Leibbitt has got that role at the minute, With but with Bezic, of course, Bezic, Bezic will do that as well. So, But no, I, I like Forshaw. I think he should get a good reception when he returns to the Riverside because he did give everything for the club and he was... A good signing, in in my opinion, very much average. Not my favourite signing in the world. Someone who is, you know, not set the world alight, but he's been a good signing. I think we got we got good money for him as well. But you know, he, he was. I thought, in my opinion, he's a good signing, of course. So, finally, I'm going to really give you my predictions and, and preview of. The Mills reverses Leeds game, of course, very much weather permitting. Of course, with the Beast from the East coming, and it's going to be absolutely freezing. I know I mentioned at the start of the podcast it's probably be about minus ten. I'm going to absolutely freak my tits off, and I hope to God it's a high intensity game and gets the fan, both fans excited. You know, because my God, imagine if that's a nil-nil draw. Jesus Christ, it are killing you. But you know what really gets I don't get. To, and I'll get There's always one fan in any walks of life who will just go to a game, no matter the weather, and be topless. You know, it's an average guy who's got tattoos everywhere, he's got that beer belly, bald, looks like he's just came out of a divorce. (laughs) That type of fan who just doesn't stop singing and... You know, we just as just top off for the full ninety minutes. and I just don't know how we do it. I really don't know how we do it. Every time I go to the riverside, I'm absolutely freezing. I think that goes for every fan as well. Even the middle middle of July, you're still you're still cold. So, just for the love of God, I hope that it's an entertaining game just for that fan alone, really. So, so I I do need a drink because I feel like I'm talking quite a lot the the preview um in it's it's entirely i think i'm going to to start with more formations based um i think that's where i, sh- I should really start um i think i know paul heckinbottom um, he's, he's going to he's going to set leads up you know um is an organized team of course and but i think he'll set them up in in that 4231 formation Forshaw, I think, is going to come back into the squad in that starting 11. Sayers, is, 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 of course, is your main catalyst for the attack. And I feel like the book, if the if box fit, I think I think he's just been out with an injury uh, at the moment. But if he comes back in, he'll probably replace Victor Anita um, at left back. So he'll set up in a four-two-three-one 3 1 formation. You know what you're going to get with Leeds United this year. You're going to get that very much. If they get the ball, um, they're going to attack from probably the right-hand side of play. Try and create this base and, you know, take either that long shot or they'll play it through um, to the slugger. Um, who's up top. And they, too, play quite aggressive style, you know. we When we played them last, um, well, the back end of, of, of last... Well, we played them last, anyway, under, under Monk. They were a lot more aggressive than us. They wanted to play... You know, it was a very much an old. Not, I'm not, I'm not gonna compare compare the old Wimbledon team, but they were very much leads were more aggressive than us. They just wanted the ball, um, and they out us like that day. Um, but it's something you'll see again with them. Um, but I think with Heck and Bottom this time, um, I think he's actually gonna probably set up to be a bit more defensive and try and catch on the counter attack. You know, they do have that pace, um, going forward. It, it, I think I can I can never pronounce his name. Um, is it Alowski? Maybe Alowski. Yeah. Him. I think maybe Stuart Dallas. I, th- I think Dallas will probably get the nod uh, more on the right hand side of on the right hand side of play. Um, maybe over over Hernandez, of course, but they're gonna come at you with pace, um, regardless. And I think they might just sit in. Let us have the ball in certain areas of the pitch. Not... I think the only person they're really going to press or try and mark up the game is, you guessed it, Traore. Of course, they're only going to sit they'll sit back and try and pull, pull him into a corner, try and hook him into a corner and make sure he doesn't get around. But that's obviously better said than done, of course. Um, but... With our general style of play, you know, we don't look like we're going to create much at the moment, so I feel as though they'll just let us give the ball away and they can't us we us pace. so I feel as though that is what Heck and Bottom will do and how we'll set that up. Um, you know, of course it's frustrating, you know, to watch and if a team comes back and team comes up and, not defends, but, you know, comes with a game plan to stick behind the ball and counter you. It can be frustrating in a long night, but... I think they'll very much set up on the counter. You know, it's it's something they've been good at all season and they've scored most of their goals from that. So they'll sit they'll sit back for a bit, they'll steal they'll steal possession from us, you know, they'll press in the right areas and I think the areas they'll probably press are generally um, you know, the your wingers, of course, and your wing backs. George Friend will be the catalyst. Um of our demise, I think, on Friday night. If they attack from the right, of course, you know, they did, the last time we played them, they overlapped him so many times, and they got forward, they use that right-hand side. You know, obviously, earlier in the podcast, when I was mentioning the left side over to, to the right, creating the space, they'll do that. Um, but also, they'll do with, what they'll also do is, they'll, They'll double up on George or they'll double up on Sean. Just depending on what Triore does defensively as well. That is probably where they'll try and aim for us and that's where they'll try and attack us from. However, how do we counter that, of course? You know, how do you counter a team who's trying to counter you? <laughs> so, with Middlesbrough, you know we're going to set up with a four-two-three-one formation, of course. Triore's going to start will lead bit of start he was touch and go you know we we know that he was a bit of a doubt um he's, he's a bit of a doubt coming into the game so if he doesn't play expect housen to come in, uh for that by the way I'm quite surprised that housen's been dropped but bezic was absolute he's been absolutely brilliant since he's been, since he's came in he's just so uh, aggressive and just wins the ball back you know when you need it in the right areas and he played a delectable ball for Bamford when he scored. But you know, we'll set up in a four-two-three-one formation. Um, we'll have probably Randolph in goal and the general back four, and it'd be a similar, very much a similar team to the side that drew against. Some. But I think the the one real key change is what we will see, is we'll see Bamford be up top on his own, um, and it could be time for Harrison to come in. You know, we're saying about pace and how can we play it a bit of a factor going into the game. But I think if we give Harrison that nod, or we, yeah, you know, you know, if we do, yeah, if we give if we give Harrison a nod, um, it'll give Patrick more space going forward. But I, know, I should explain this really. So if you play with with two wingers, I and when mean, you darting down, down the line, it does push out. It forces the. It can force the centre back, to move across to help, the the wing back, if it, depending on normally the the centre midfield will. Will slot in from where the, the centre back is, but within that time of motion, the space that they create allows the forward to, to make that darting wrong within the box, and you know, hopefully put them back in the back of the net. Of course uh I also mentions even with the 4231 that Leeds will allow us to have possession. Now, a lot is said with possession. Um it's quite a rubbish stat really and although on FIFA I must I do like to keep the ball and just pop it about and score some unbelievable team goals with that but Possession is not everything in football. Um, it's very much overrated. You know, um, you don't need possession a lot of possession to win a football match. Of course, of course, if you if you of course if you don't have the ball, you can't really score. But if you know, if you, it's it's all about really what you do with it at that time. That's how you effectively win football matches, and also you're not. You're not really in control of the game if you do have possession. You know you could be falling into a, a trap. What Cardiff have done very well this season, and I will credit them on this, is that they're a team that doesn't always have the ball. Because what they're doing is they let you have it in certain areas where they know that it's gonna you're going to be forced into a trap, and essentially leaves you open to a counter attack. So of course of course I don't think oh that's a unique credit really kind of on that but I don't think possession is everything and it's very much overrated you know um, of course you needed to score but say if we had 12% of the football against Leeds on Friday night, highly unlikely of course but hypothetically speaking if we had the ball at 12% and we won 2-0 you would not be bothered, would you? You would not be bothered. You wouldn't. You wouldn't care. It's three points. You know, if we'd have sat back and let tri- like give the ball to Triari when we've once we've, and intercepted the play and he ran up and scored scored the other end. You wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, so, it frustrates me. You know, when when people get annoyed that we don't have the ball um, because you can actually be very much in control of the match and like I mentioned with, with the car lifting there, you don't have to have it to win a football match simple as that really You know that's, of course you need you need salmon like I just mentioned because I know someone will be like oh well you technically need you need to score but well not if you've paid the other team anyway so but essentially that, that's very much it in terms of possession style but I don't think. I think we'll be given much. I think we'll have. You'll see Borough having the ball, and you'll be seeing it moving left to right, left to right, trying to create the space for Traore to run into, create the space for either Banford or Brit, who whoever's up front. Of course, um, I know I said Bamford probably will be, and I hope he's, I hope I'm right a little bit, but whoever's up front, you know, you'll see that trying to create the space and trying to stretch the centre backs of Cooper and. Cooper and Jansen, you know, also actually I should really touch on with the, not just the formations and the style of play, but the set pieces, you know, we're going back to that again of when that zonal man marking bit, but set pieces will have a, a key element to it, you know, Leeds, are, if you've watched Leeds this season at all, Leeds a quite poor in defending those aerial duels. Even with Pontius as well. Pontius in, in in the back. They are quite poor. In terms of those aerial duels within those right areas. But going forward on the other hand. They are quite clinical. Um, So you'll see that set plays can play a factor in the game. And you probably. I think if Bora were to score. I think it's going to come from more of an organised piece of play rather than open play. I hope, I'm hope. I think if I can put my, you know, my my future hat on I would probably say that it's going to come from the right hand side. shotton's going to throw it in, it's going to get flicked on and we're going to barrel it in 1-0. Um, I think that's how we're going to probably score on Friday night. So I'll try and find the betting slip for that. Um, But I think on the on the other side as well where defending it, you know, they've got Jansen, they've got Cooper who if you if you've seen Cooper's goal, it's a delightful glancing header. Um reading at the back post and it's it's a look it's actually a very, very nice header, you know you should you should really watch it if you haven't, um because it's it's a it's it's a great finish. Um of course. But and moving on of course, um I'm moving on to more of the predicted eleven, and I'll, I'll do my personal eleven, but I'll also do more of a of a, what I think will will happen. So if it's starting off with me, it, it's very much a similar um, four-two-three-one. However, if you read my my previews at the at, at, throughout the season, I'm a huge fan of three at the back, a huge huge fan of it. Um, I thought we had the place to do it at the start of the season, especially with Christie and Fabio as your wing backs, because they would love to get forward. Um and it would it would have probably saved us, you know, defensively, um, the Monk but um yeah, I would have probably went with three at the back and I would have probably stayed with three at the back throughout the season and not sold Christie or Fabio. Or well, I don't even know where Fabio is, he just went missing, hasn't he? So fire injury probably bollocks. He just wants to go back to Brazil and Good luck with him on that, but I think with Bora on on Friday night, I think I would probably have to set up in the four two three one formation. You know, set up in in an ideal world, I'd probably play Fabio with a friend, just because of choice. Um, I I do prefer Fabio to to friend. I just think Fabio's a bit more technically better than him, um, and he's quicker, of course. Um and I just I think I just prefer him as as a footballer. Of course, he's not as beautiful as as, as George Friend, of course, but I think Fabio does offer you more going forward. Again, um I would start with Shotten um at the on at right back, of course with with Randolph and goal. So it'll be Randolph, Shotten right back, Friend left back, um and two centre backs. you I know Pulis will probably set up with Ayala and Gibson, and Ayala's improved a lot under Pures. Um he just needs that solid coach I think I don't think Monk gave him gave him that um, and in my opinion, when I watch Daniel Ayala and this might get some bad rep, but I get nervous when I watch him, it's just when he's on the ball and he, he gives away stupid fouls and He's always getting talked to by the referee, and you just think, "Oh man, like he's going to do something stupid." With you know, he he, he doesn't have it in him. You know, he really does have it in him, and it's more or less how a coach out of him. Um, but in my opinion, he will start, and I think I would probably put him in the eleven. However, I would like to see Craney there at some point. You know, just to see what he would do because he does look very organised. He does look, you know, he. You know what you get from him. You know a very solid defender. That's exactly what you want. You know, <laughs> and I would like to see Craney start with Gibson at centre back. But if it was my eleven, I would start Craney with with Gibson at the back. To start and see how it see how it plays out because he does look very solid. Of course, yeah, it gives you that threat going forward. Um, but in in my type of style and how I would set up set it up, I'd pre- I prefer playing Craney. Of course. um of course, I've gone to Pulis side in a second. But in midfield, very much Housing and Housen and and Bezic. Now I think Bitter is a great captain. He's a a very much. He's been an excellent player for us. I think that he's slowly bowing out a little bit. You know his legs are slowly starting to go. It's a very much a slow thing. I think Leadbit is great still, you know, he's he's magic, you know. Um, but I prefer Johnny House, and I think House got so much bad rep at the start of the season. And he's actually a very, very good centre midfielder, he's very, very professional. You know, he gives, he runs a lot going forward in that field. I just think he's a very good player. He's technically very good, and I would play him with Bezic, you know, Bezic being the hard man midfield, he would break up the play a little bit quicker and You can push on the House and House and can bring the ball forward for the the, the attacking foot, of course. On the right, Triari can't really you can't really take him off the squad, can you? Because we don't really create out if it wasn't for him. On the left, play I'd play Harrison. Um, you know, I was quite disappointed when Tavernier or Tavernier, however you say it, have um, if if he, I was quite not disappointed, but him going on loan when he was trying to break through with the squad was quite frustrating because he did score the goal against Sunderland that won us the the time of the time the the were a derby if it's a derby or whatever. Nice to hear everyone. It would be good to see people's opinions of if it's a derby or not. I think it's only a derby if you win, um, and not a derby if if you lose. But maybe Harris on the left, um, give him his his start of course. He is left. Footer. He's a natural left foot. Um, you know, you do a lot. A lot of clubs do like their wingers to cut in, and you can have that ability to switch with Triore or with Harrison, Downing Of course, that number ten role. Um, and of course, I'd probably I'd probably go with with Bamford just because he scored the two goals. Um, he he scored the two goals. Against against Sunderland, of course. Um but as for Pulis I think he'll set up is very much similar to, to what I've done, you know, um Randolph, Shorten, Ayala, Ayala and Ayala and Lasaga is a very good, you know, duel, as, as some would say, um on Friday night. I think it'll be a, a good duel, you know, seeing them to go away, of course. Gib- you got Gibson, you got L- with Lasaga um, or Janssen as well. Um, of course, you know you got Gibson at the back. You got Friend left back, of course. So That's your back. That's your back five, really. Of Randall, Friend, Gibson, Ayala, Shotton, or well, Shotton. Ayala, Gibson, Friend. It sounds better. Um, Ledbetter holding the midfield with House, and of course, Traore downing. I think he might play I think you might give longer of a chance you know I think he might play I think he might play the same squad of Bamford on the left and, and Brit up top Um, I think that's why how he'll set it up you know I don't think he'll he'll change much I don't think he's, he's I think he's too stubborn enough to, to not change it and I think of course I think he'll just do that you know, I don't think he'll he'll change much to his team, of course, but that would be the eleven so yeah, this is pretty much the the end of the the Bora breakdown my first episode, of course, I kind of hope you've enjoyed it or seen a different perspective of it um if you haven't heard the Borough podcast at all um do give them a follow as well and give them a listen you know they do give great insight of course. Um and I know some of the guys as well, and we've we've messaged a few times, and I was hoping to go on at some point. But do give their podcast a listen. Um, Graham Kirby is is a great guy, and how how they break it down is, is good and it's a good listen. So if you haven't heard the the Bora the Bora podcast, do give him a follow on Twitter, um, of course, and give him a listen on SoundCloud. And as for me, if you want any of my deeds, it's uh, Johnny Bullock number one at on twitter and at Johnny Bullock on instagram and that's my personal details but also if you haven't followed everything mfc posts or website or anything like that do give us a follow at everything mfc and that's the same for your general facebook twitter and instagram but not what i'm going to do hopefully in the in the next few episodes is maybe get some artists or more like musicians to really play us out or find a song or anything just to to make it more of a show rather than just a general podcast, and I think that's what I'm going to do and how I'm going to position it. So it'd be great to hear your thoughts on that going forward. And I hope that you very much enjoy this podcast. And just before I leave you, my score prediction: it's going to be Middlesbrough two, Leeds United one. Um I'm definitely gonna go with the shot and throw, the flick on by a defender, and I think Bamford or Assemble. I think you know what, I wanna go Brit. I'm gonna go Brit. Brit will score um, one of their goals. So if you wanna break down any more bets, it'd be obviously Middlesbrough and Yes with over over one point five go over one point five goals, that's what I would generally put on for the game. Um and we'll hopefully get some odds for you to to come on on the site with that, but thank you very much for listening, I know it's been quite a long podcast, I didn't expect it to be going so long and I've went on an absolute tangent, I haven't really given much structure but I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope this, you've enjoyed this first Borough Breakdown and hopefully we'll speak to you again